Jam Session is a podcast where two guys who grew up in Dallas-Fort Worth discuss sports, craft beer, life, and their experiences living in one of America's most vibrant cities. If you love sports, you're going to love this show. If you love craft beer or you're curious about it, you'll love this show. Great conversations with good friends is what Jam Session is all about. Welcome. It's nice to have you here. I hope you enjoy it. I think you will. You're listening to the Jam Session Podcast. I was told that I could listen to the radio at a reasonable volume. With Cowboys insider... What's your name? Jean-Jacques Taylor. That's my name. Radio personality and craft beer expert, Matt McLaren. He's a very strange young man. He's an idiot. Comes from upbringing. And now, the Jam Session Podcast. It is indeed Jam Session. Subscribe, rate, review, hang out with us for a while, right here on the Jam Session Podcast. Sponsored, as always, by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights that legal battle so you have time for healing and renewal. But right now, the moment we've all been waiting for has arrived. Ladies and gentlemen, the radio, the TV, the podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. What up, Doc? I would be the non-sexy one. It's Matt McLaren, and this is Jam Session, the podcast version 279, asking simply that you prepare to be dazzled. If not entertained. Oh, we do have a lot to discuss. The Cowboys, they are now about a week out from having to cut from 80 to 53 players to get ready for the regular season. They've got that final preseason game coming up on Friday as they will welcome Seattle into... Arlington to wrap up the preseason some interesting things some interesting tv shows on the way that I kind of wanted to throw out so we'll get into all that but before we do your daily reminder of greening law because you never know maybe since the last time we talked you finally got in a car wreck I say that like oh hey finally got in a car wreck maybe it happened to you is what I mean maybe you were hurt on the the premises of business whatever the case may be when that happens it can be a panic situation you got a lot going on. If you're in a car wreck and it's a bad one, you got to go to the hospital. You got all these medical bills mounting up. You got all these things. You don't have to worry about any of that because once you contact Greening Law for your free consultation, if they decide you've got a case and they bring you on as a client, they handle all that. They take care of all the crap behind the scenes truly so that you can focus on going to the doctor and going to your appointments and they even schedule them for you so that you can just get that stuff taken care of that's how great and how easy it is with greening law yeah and that's why you need to pick up the phone and give them a call at 972-934-8900 and let them walk you through the process and like matt said whether you're in a car accident whether it's at an apartment complex a business construction site it doesn't really matter if you have an accident in any of those places you pick up the phone you call 972-934-8900 you say hey listen to what happened to me what do you think and if they take you on for a client, I'm telling you, Matt can tell you, it's been a beautiful day for you because you got somebody to fight with you and walk you through what can be a, a complicated process. It's very easy, man. You gave them the number. That consultation is free. 972-934-8900. What are you waiting for? You think you got a case? Call them. Find out. 972-934-8900. Call now. It's Robert Greening, offices, Dallas, Texas. You and I are having this interesting conversation because the Cowboys have had to make some roster decisions. So we are recording this on Tuesday afternoon, and I think one of the interesting ones, at least as we sit here right now, they did not put Michael Gallup on PUP today, which means that, so if they had done that and they had designated him for PUP, the physically unable to perform list, by the way, for those that don't know, if they had designated him for that, it would have opened up a roster spot for them, but it also at the same time would have required them to carry him on the active roster as the season comes around next week. And if they had done that where they had opened up a roster spot, he would have been, you have to miss the first four games. Like if they designate you for pup, cool, you have an, that opens up his roster spot, but he must miss the first four games of the season. Like for instance, Washington commanders did that with Chase Young today, which means when the Cowboys play Washington for the first time this season, Chase Young cannot play in that game. He can't. So the fact that they did not designate him for pup to start the season is interesting because that would lead you to the idea that Michael Gallup is going to be available perhaps in week three. And will only miss the first couple of games because he's going to have to take up an active roster spot now. 
Yeah, and that uh, that just means more decision making, more choices have to be done. And you know, when you get down to that, man, what happens is maybe you keep two quarterbacks instead of three initially. Maybe keep three running backs instead of four. You know, four tight ends instead of five. It's all those different kinds of things that that end up uh, having an effect when you have to keep a guy on the roster, even though you know daggone well he's not going to play the first couple of games. Yeah, so I thought that was a really interesting roster move. And when we started getting into this, because everybody wants to know, okay, well, what is the final roster going to look like? Well, obviously, we don't know right now. Again, next Tuesday at 3 o'clock is when they're going to have to cut from 80 to 53. But what's interesting about this is how the roster moves work. Because what's going to happen is, and I'll use C.J. Goodwin as an example, because I'm pretty sure this happened to him last year, and there's a really good chance it'll happen to him again this year there is a chance that a guy like a C.J. Goodwin gets cut. And the reason why is for the league's waiver system, when a player has three or fewer accrued seasons, when they cut that player, then they're waived, which means that all the other 31 teams have to decline to submit a claim with him within a day of his cut being processed before the Cowboys can re-sign him. Somebody like C.J. Goodwin if you have four or more accrued seasons and you get cut, then you're not waived, you're released, which means you're cut. And then the Cowboys don't have to wait for you to clear waivers. They can say, hey, CJ Goodwin, we want you. You're our special teams ace, but we have to have James Washington on our 53-man roster at the start of the season so that we can move him to IR. And then we want to immediately sign you and bring you back to replace and take up, say, that type of that roster spot that we have now created. There may be a couple of guys like that with the Cowboys. Now, C.J. Goodwin could be like, okay, cool. And they're like, oh, well, I'm going over here now. But chances yeah. are, like he did last year, he's like, no, I'm going to play for Dallas, and I'm, we've agreed, and this is how this is going to work. Well, yeah, I mean, typically what happens is, as Matt's tried to explain it to you, it's a procedural move. So before it even happens, you've already told C.J., yo, here's the deal, dog. You good? And he goes, yeah, I'm good. Uh, because why? Typically, you want to stay with a team that knows you and understands you. You've been here three, four, five years. And so, yeah, it's it's just a procedural move. So I think that that's kind of interesting because you and I were looking at this. When you start kind of diving into like how the roster may lay out and what it might look like, it, it, it's fascinating. And so, like, for instance, today, as we record this on Tuesday, they had to drop it down and get it to 80 players. And they've done that. They waved, I got to be honest with you, they waved <laughs> dudes, three of these guys I didn't even know were on the team. Uh, Christian Sam, Jaquari Roberson, and Quandre Mosley were all waved. Uh, tight end Jeremy Sprinkle was placed on injured reserve, and then they got rid of the other kicker, Lerum Hajrulahu. And so that leaves them with only one kicker, by the way. Looks like Brett Maher is going to be your kicker in 2022, at least to start the season. But they had to make all those types of moves. And so you and I were looking at this, and it's interesting because are they going to keep three quarterbacks? And if they do that and they decide to keep three quarterbacks, would they be able to cut and re-sign somebody like a Cooper Rush or a Will Greer? Because Will Greer has three accrued seasons. So if they cut him, that means all other 31 teams have to decline to put a claim in on him before the Cowboys could bring him back potentially. Yeah, and you would think, well, that's not a big deal, but there's a little bit to it, man. In terms of with other positions, it's one thing. With quarterbacks, anybody who sees just a little bit, they might, yeah, hey, let's grab him. And so while it's still your second or your third quarterback, or he'd be the third quarterback in most cases, uh, you just never know about quarterbacks. And you just have to decide if you're willing to lose them, then you go, make, you go pull the trigger. Uh, and the question is, you know, has he beaten out Cooper Rush, done enough to beat out Cooper Rush? I don't know that he has, but, you know, this impending decision might might give us more insight into that. Yeah, it might, and, and we'll see how that's going to go with all this. But, you know, there's a variety of different roster choices that they're going to have to make. We kind of talked about that with the quarterback position. We talked about it at running back as well. You know, Malik Davis is an example of that. Are you afraid if you don't keep Malik Davis – and you expose him to waivers with the preseason that he's had that somebody out there jumps on him and wants to bring him in, and do you value him enough to not expose him to that process? Uh, to me, yeah, because, see, he's been good enough on special teams, good enough as a runner. 
I bet somebody would grab him. Uh, but, you know, again, we're talking about the third or fourth running back. And so the question is, do you like his upside more than Rico Dottle? Do you think him and Rico Dottle are basically the same? If so, take the younger guy, and then you don't have to worry about it. And so, again, you read these roster projections, you see the guys and what they think that the Cowboys are going to do and how this is going to look. You know, the idea that they're going to keep seven wide receivers, which seems extreme, but then again, you got to have James Washington. Keep in mind, James Washington, if you want to put him on IR and bring him back this season, he has to be on the 53 when the Cowboys announce their 53 next Tuesday, and then they can immediately move him to IR and technically only have six wide receivers. Right. Which, which then, I think is probably what they're going to do, obviously. I don't think they're going to keep eight. Maybe they keep eight, and then they move Washington to IR, and they've got seven wide receivers. Who knows? I was going to say, you know, some of it is how they count players. You know, like, are they going to count uh, Turpin as part of their wide receiver group? Mm. Really? Or do they count him more of a special teams guy who plays wide receiver? You know what I mean? Like, they yeah. don't count CJ like, uh, Goodwin. They don't count him as their defensive backs. He's a corner. You know, he's a – Defensive back who plays specialties, but he don't play defensive back. By the time you get to CJ, it's been a long day already. So it's, it's some of it's depending on kind of like how they count him in terms of how many receivers they keep. Yeah, so you kind of look at that. Tight ends, surely they're only keeping three tight ends. You, you got to think, you know, this is really interesting. I was looking at active roster rules for game day this year because I did a trivia question on this at, at Trivia last week. It had been 46, and then they had moved it to 48, and then I, think, I thought they had dropped it back down to 46. But how about this? So for active game days this year, if you have eight or more offensive linemen active for that game, you can have an extra player active. You can have 48 active players if eight of them are offensive linemen, but only 47 if not. I don't know why anybody would have less than 48. I know. I mean, why, why? Okay, cool. We'll carry an extra offensive lineman. This is great news. I mean, I thought that. that what an odd rule, though. I thought this, it, that's symbolic of America. It's bullshit bureaucracy. Because <laughs> it's, like, it's a brand new rule this year. It's just started this year. Like, who would ever carry forty-seven? I don't know, man. I have no idea because, like, okay, so we can have an extra dude active for game day if it's an offensive lineman. We might need an extra offensive lineman. Why wouldn't you keep him? Exactly, bro. So we're going to see, you know, because I'm curious, that, that leads me to believe that they may keep more offensive linemen than we initially thought. And that like, you know, a guy like Josh Ball, they just carry him around. I've seen a lot of projections that they'll keep 10 on the defensive line, that they're going to keep five linebackers. Although you kind of wonder, would it be Gifford or Devin Harper that they keep? Devin Harper is a six-round rookie. But Luke Gifford was the Cowboys 2021 leader in special team snaps. And, and obviously they like what he does on special teams a lot. And as you've talked about a couple of times, even like a guy like a CJ Goodwin or a Turpin, you know, you've got a couple guys on your roster who basically are on the roster because they play special teams and they do it damn well. Bro. And you don't think about that until when your special teams are a disaster. <laughs> yeah, that's very true. You know, then it's like, oh, what's up with special teams? And so, no, I mean, they got some specialists. They're really good at it. And, you know, uh, we complained quite a bit about the special teams before. Uh, they were good last year, uh, more good than bad, uh, especially late. Early they were shady, but late they were more good than bad. And, uh, you know, we'll see what Bones has got in store for us now since he's got a new toy. Yeah, and, and you know, there's a couple other guys, like, again – when the roster comes out next week, there's a good chance that you might not see Jake McQuaid. You might not even see Brett Maher on it. You go, what, what are they going to do? Well, they could cut those guys and then place Washington and well, let's go are going to have to go to an IR. So you open up a couple of roster spots for guys like that. And then you say, okay, well, we're bringing you back. Don't worry about it. Like you talked about, you, you it's always, it's a procedural thing. We already know it's going to look like, but just keep that in mind when the Cowboys release that 53 next week. That 53 the very next day, may, there may be three or four different things than what is originally there where people could panic and be like, oh, my God, they don't have a kicker or whatever the case may be. Roster construction in the NFL this time of year is really weird because <laughs> there's been some interesting names that have already been released. You know, like I saw like Geronimo Allison was cut today. One of the he used to play with the Packers in like Kenyon Drake, the former Alabama back who actually had some good seasons. And then the Raiders picked him up. The Raiders cut Kenyon Drake. And those are just names where you wonder, okay, you, 
you didn't even make it to the final week of the preseason. Like, what's the story with that? Because it kind of makes you raise your eyebrow a little bit. Now, sometimes if they're a veteran that you like, you let a guy go early so he can go find another spot. Uh, if he's not going to have a role with your team, if you like that dude, you just you just giving him a few extra days to go find a, find a new team. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, that That's very kind of them to do that. And again, we'll, we'll see how it turns out. I mean, it, it's... I don't know, like looking ahead to Friday, and, and we'll probably talk a lot about it a little bit on the podcast that drops on Friday morning, but again, I mean, the preseason more than anything has gotten to a point in today's NFL where you try to see is, we already know like these 46 guys that we want to keep, maybe even more than that in some situations, some teams maybe go into it like, hey, we want these 50 guys before the preseason even begins. Is there a battle for some spots here or there? Can some of these rookies show us a flash or otherwise we're going to cut you? And then the reality of it is, it feels like there's just don't get anybody hurt that, we, that we're going to actually use in the real season. Bro, that's, that's kind of what today's NFL is all about. In the preseason, it's don't get anybody hurt, just like you said. Uh, we don't care about the wins. We don't care about the losses. We're going to do our heavy lifting in practice where it's a much more controlled environment. And uh, let's, you know, bro. Let's just get everybody ready for the regular season. If we can do that, we have succeeded. Yeah, because it's coming, man. And it'll be – it's it's crazy because I was talking about this earlier. I mean, week zero in college football is this week. I mean, coming up on – now, there's not really any games that move the needle for anybody unless you're a huge fan of the Big Ten because Northwestern and Nebraska play each other in Dublin, Ireland, which will be kind of cool. You know, like North Texas, a, a lot of us – that are listening, you you might, your son, he's a North Texas kid now. They open their season on Saturday. But it's interesting how quickly it comes. I mean, it, it seems like it wasn't that long ago. We're sitting here going through the Cowboys opening press conference of training camp, and here we are, one preseason game left, and the season is upon us. Um, I think, bro, that it's a, uh, you know what, man? Here's what happened to me, bro. The preseason to me, we, I mean, I know what it was, but it used to get you amped up and ramped up for the regular season. Yeah, that's true. It did. Like, I guess. I, I, <laughs> but because they don't play nobody, it doesn't really get you amped up and ramped up because all you're seeing is third and fourth string bottom, bottom of the league players. You know what I mean? And so you ain't excited about it. Um, and so it's just a, uh, you know, I'd be glad when the season's here because the preseason's been like, who cares? You're exactly right. Playing. Yeah, because, I mean, <laughs> at, at least it used to be where, you know, they would, what was it? Like the, the third preseason game would be the dress rehearsal game. And we at least could see the starters play. I mean, this is even a couple of years ago. We could watch the starters play like maybe a half. Exactly. And now we don't even get that. Like the starters will not touch foot onto the field in the preseason at all anymore. Just crazy. It's really weird. Like the NFL should probably figure something out with that. And and maybe it's necessary because it allows 90 different players to stick around for a while. And then by the time you get to the third preseason game, there's still 80 players. So maybe somehow, you know, like the Cavante Turpins of the world, when it was the way it was before, would would somebody like Cavante Turpin have an opportunity to stick with the team because the rosters are 90 players that you you can have for a while? I don't know. It's just... The preseason has has really, for the most part, become colossally pointless. Unless you're one of those fringe players. Right, unless you're a guy but, like that. And then, then it's it is. huge. But we don't know who any of those guys are. And so as fans trying to watch this, you know, we'll turn on the games and I'm just trying to sit here and say, okay, well, maybe I get to see Tyler Smith, for instance. What's he look like against the Denver Broncos second and third team guys or guys that won't play in the NFL? Is he better than those guys? Oh, okay, he is better than those guys. I have right, right. no idea what Tyler Smith is going to look like against actual NFL competition. No, but, um, you know, I mean, I think you have you, you try to project some, but, but it's backups against backups. And so it's, it's like we said, you know, you can't possibly hope to be good against starters right. if you struggle against backups. If you dominate backups, then, yeah, okay, we think, well, maybe there's a chance you can, you can, you can destroy, um, you know, some starters. Yeah, there's some truth to that, man. And you know what? I guess a little bit of the other part of it, too, is that's where some of the frustration with guys like Nation Wright come into play. 
because you're sitting here going, dude, you're getting burned and looking like this against wide receivers that aren't even the other team's wide receivers worth a crap. Yeah. And that, I mean, but that's what it is. And that's the, um, that's the thing that we're studying and that's the thing that we're looking at, bro. And so that's what it is, man. If you can't be good against the backups, you have no chance. Or it feels like you have no chance. Yeah, and I, I think that like that's more so because like we were talking about the other day with Tyler Smith. Like, okay, well, he looked really good. Now you go, all right, well, let's see you do it since you're going to be a starting NFL offensive lineman. What do you look like against starting NFL defensive tackles and ends? But you're willing to give them some – there's like a flash of hope versus the other guys. When you get torched by other teams' backups, you go, my God, like can you even play in this league? And you were a third-round pick or what have you. Uh, no, bro. I mean, that's exactly right. That's that's how it, that's how it rolls. And um, you know, all we can say is, hey, um, you let's suck. get ready for the season, <laughs> <laughs> and let's hope you don't suck as bad as you look. Yeah, man. Because some of these picks that the Cowboys have had in the last couple of years, I I hate to say it, right now it looks like Kelvin Joseph and Nation Wright were just a waste of a pick. But remember, remember when they drafted right and everybody's like, whoa, like, okay, if you had gotten that guy like in the fifth or sixth round, it might have been like, okay, cool. But somehow the Cowboys like, oh, we got to get him in the third round. And every everyone questioned that pick in the third round. No one had him up on their board that high. But the Cowboys apparently had some magical formula that no one else followed along with. And now a couple of years into this, we're all starting to look like it and go, yeah. For a third-round pick, I mean, kind of wasted one there, guys. <laughs> I mean, that's reality of uh, what it was at but, the time. But, you know, there's a there's a lot of uh, questions about him when they drafted him. Like, oh, really? Yeah. They, they drafted this guy? And so, um, you know, I, I'm not – you know, uh, um, he seems right now like, – bear with me now. He seems right now to be a triple-A player, which is – he can make some plays in practice, but he can't take it to the game yet. Or he hasn't consistently taken it to the game. Right. And uh, there's, you know, which means there's some guys who can hit it AAA and they just can't get it done to big leagues for whatever reason. And, um, you know, right now he feels like that kind of guy. And, uh, you know, if he'll either fix it or he won't, bro. Yeah, I mean, that's a very valid point. He'll, he either will or he won't. And the Cowboys will either sit here. And we'll all laugh at them and go, yeah, we told you this dude should have been taken in the fifth or sixth round. Or, it, it, But they do that with guys. They do that with guys who are like, well, we had this grade on them. And other people, you know, reporters and whatnot, like, well, I talked to sources with this team and they didn't have them on their board. But the Cowboys must know something nobody else does. Anyway, the frustration of a Cowboys fan obviously is coming to full fruition here in this, this course of the preseason. I'm just ready for the regular season games. And I said this on the last podcast and I just have to remind myself this. I need to give it two regular season games. You're at home. You play Tampa. You play Cincinnati. Let me see what this thing looks like after two weeks. I think that's fair. Yeah. I mean, you know. Because 0-2, you know, I, part of me thinks 0-2 is very realistic. 1-1, one one, I'll take it. 2-0, and oh, I might be back on the Super Bowl train. <laughs> I'm just saying, you beat, you beat Tampa and Tom Brady and you beat Joe Burrow in Cincinnati and you start 2-0, and oh, then in my mind, you can win the whole damn thing. Yeah. Uh, you know, man, I think uh, I hate to do this, man. You just, you just got to wait for the games. You can't know, be predicting outcomes. And I know. That's that. my thing. Just, I got to be patient. You just, you just got to see how it falls. I'm just trying to be patient. I, I got you. You're right. <laughs> Much like, see, but this is how probably a lot of you that ordered your bruised biltong probably feel the same way. You're like, you ordered it. You're like, oh, my God, is it here? You know, and you hear the little male guy coming down the street and you run out there and say, oh, you don't have it yet. And then, you, like, when's it going to happen? Is it, I need it. You need that Bruce Biltong. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, go to BruceBiltong.com, B-R-U-S-B-I-L-T-O-N-G, and once you place your order, then you'll know what I'm talking about because you'll be that excited to try it. Because once you try it, you're going to want to... Once, once you try Biltong, I believe this, you will regularly order it because you will regularly want to have that snack around the house. Dude, it's fantastic now. Wouldn't told you. It's fantastic. It's succulent. It's tender. It's juicy even. It's it's built on. It's what we all it's what we all want. It's what we all need, bro. And uh I think everybody needs some built on in their life. I like it. Why? 
230 calories, 30 grams of protein, bro. Doesn't really get any better than that in a two-ounce pouch. It fills you up. It's a great snack for the middle of the day, uh, especially if you're trying to watch your weight. Yeah, it is. It's fantastic. You're going to love it. I really, I truly believe that. I'm telling you straight up, I think if you go to BruceBiltong.com, you order your biltong, you can get a variety of different types. We like the sliced biltong. That's the one I like the most. I've always got a bag of it at the house, man. I really do. And if you'll use the promo code JAM15, J-A-M-15, you get 15% off your order every time. And I know several people that have tweeted at us or sent us messages on Instagram that are like, oh, yeah, I, I ordered it, love it, and I regularly order it. You're going to enjoy it. It's Bruce Biltong at BruceBiltong.com. Also, JR and his crew at Freeway Tire Shop. We talk about this all the time. I don't care where you live in DFW. At some point, find a way to get down just north of downtown Dallas. Go to Freeway Tire Shop and experience JR and the customer service you'll get at Freeway. And then you'll message us and be like, well, you were right. I went over there and I just needed an oil change, so I thought I'm trying them out. Oh my God, I'm blo- I'll I'll go there for everything now. And I know you'll do that because we've had several people that have messaged us saying basically the same thing. Like I wanted to see what what I would think of of Jr. and his guys because you guys really talk them up. And I went over there and I got to tell you, man, I will never go anywhere else. Bro, it's uh, Jr. and his crew over there at Freeway Tire. They're the best, man. Uh, and they're the best to me because you can trust them. Just like you trust your doctor, man. You trust your mechanic to take care of your car the same way you trust your doctor to take care of you, man. And I've told y'all a thousand times, I'll keep telling you because it's true. You trust him to diagnose the issue, then you trust him to use quality parts to fix the issue because trust me, not everybody does. Then you can trust him to give you a fair price on the work that he does. Uh, I mean, who doesn't want that? And then you can trust him to stand behind his work, bro. You do all those things, and it makes for a good experience. It's Freeway Tire Shop. Just north of downtown Dallas. Easy to get to. You can request a quote. You can schedule an appointment. You can find out more information. It's all online at freewaytireshop.com. So let's take a trip around the block because you guys in the DFW area have gotten to experience something in the last couple of days that is mind-boggling to me in the amount of rain that you've gotten. Now, I've mentioned this many, many times. I live in Birmingham, Alabama now, and in our area, this is no lie, it has rained somewhere in Birmingham for like 15 days in a row or something. I mean, it, it is rained. It's rained at my house every day for the last seven days. Wow. Now, I'm not talking about torrential downpour, like crazy rain nonstop all day, but it rains at some point. It work, I mean, we get a lot of rain here. Rains very, very often. Well, what's wild about what you guys just experienced you went through the second longest drought in DFW meteorological history, where it was the second longest streak of days without a drop of rain measured at DFW Airport. And you went from that to the record-breaking floods that you are experiencing in DFW right now, which is, I don't recall anything like that. As a matter of fact, prior to a couple of days ago, DFW had seen 13 inches of rain this year, which was 10 inches below normal. DFW is now just an inch, a quarter, an inch and a quarter below normal for the year. That's <laughs> over nine inches of measurable rain in a 24-hour period at DFW Airport. Crazy, Doc. Um, as somebody who was living in it this week, it's just kind of insane because uh, it just started. Like, I mean, I heard our reports it's coming, but then it just kind of opened up and didn't stop and it was uh dude it was going hard and uh you know it was the flash flooding thing that drove everybody wild uh because i was out in a little bit and it wasn't so bad until i got home and started looking on the internet and dude 635 and all these other places 30 they're flooded literally yeah and i'm just like wow so after that i decided i would be better served staying at the crib yeah, I just saw where, and this is from earlier on Tuesday, so when you're listening and I tell you what this is, don't think it's happening right this second as you listen, but the Trinity River in Dallas crested at 38.6 feet. Flood stage is at 30 feet. So wow. when it crested, it was about eight and a half inches above flood stage, which is considered moderate flood stage. But still, I mean, 
and I saw some drone footage because I, I mean, I used to live right over on the west side of the Trinity River over there in the apartments on the west side of Dallas. And to see the Trinity River as full as it was, I mean, my God, I just I can't believe how dry it was for as long as it was. And then just the colossal amount of water that like out of the blue just dumped itself on Dallas. I'm, I'm always amazed by the Trinity, bro, because it's the most unassuming little bit of yeah, water yeah. 90% of the time. But then when you get these big rains that happen every now and then, it swells up and bursts and almost comes up to the bridges. And you're just like, how is this possible? Because it's so unassuming any other time. Well, I mean, we don't even pay attention to it. Yeah, that's very, very true, man. And like sometimes you drive over the Trinity and there's like no water in it. Yeah. It's like like nothing. And people, I mean, there's sidewalks and stuff down there where people can walk on. And then you drive through and it's like all the way up flood stage. You're like, oh my God, this is so weird. But the crazy thing is that according to Pete Delkis, the rain, all, even with all that rain, it does not end the drought that the entire area needs 15 inches of rainfall to end the drought. And while some areas actually saw close to that number, it was not widespread enough to end the drought everywhere. Which is crazy in and of itself. I mean, so think about this. So for instance, in Southeast Dallas, they got 15.3 inches of rain. Now I told you at DFW airport, they got a little over nine inches. And keep in mind, like when we talk about rain and temperatures and stuff, all the official historical stuff comes from DFW airport. But Southeast Dallas got 15.3 inches of rain. Good Lord. Which I just, I mean, how is that even, I don't even know how you process that. It's so much rain. <laughs> I mean. And, and not even buckets, but barrels, man. Yeah, and seeing some of the footage that has been all over Twitter of the floods and like cars being washed away and roads being closed, I, it's like the the spillway at, at White Rock Lake. I mean, it's just insane. The amount of water that covered North Texas, and hopefully it's everybody's such a short okay. Of time. Yeah, man, because it's just like all it's just sat there on you guys and just dumped. <laughs> it was it was incredible, really, bro. It was nothing, nothing, nothing. Here it is, and then it, then it disappeared again. Yeah, I know. And then you know, it'll probably go back to the way it was, or you just drive forever again. Hopefully not. I mean, you want like how we get, where you get an inch here, you get a half inch there, and but it regularly rains, and it just keeps everything green and lush. And I mean, people here don't even have sprinkler systems in their yard. <laughs> nah. You don't need them. <laughs> That's how often it rains. And it ain't. You know, it's it's not 110 degrees for... No, that's also very true. 50 straight days. Yeah, man. I mean, it is. But I will say, like, when you live in an area like this where you get rain a lot, like, at some point it gets to the point where you're just like, I mean, come on. Can we just stop? Like, it's supposed to <laughs> rain all the rest of this week and, and all in the next week. There's, like, a 40% chance minimum every single day for, like, three weeks straight. Mm. Which is insane, but... Yeah, it's a lot of rain, brother. Which doesn't necessarily mean it'll rain at my house, but again, somewhere in Birmingham, it I mean, at this time of the year, it basically rains somewhere every day, which is just weird. Wow. That's how it is. So the other thing I wanted to ask you about, and I, I couldn't remember, did you, were you a Game of Thrones guy? Did you ever watch that? Yeah. Were, are you I, into I came, the prequel? I came, no, but I came late to the party. Okay. Like, I probably watched it three years ago. Started watching it three years ago, and I was like, oh, this is great. And then I binged it very quickly after that. Um, but, I mean, the way I operate, man, the prequel will come out. If people rave about it, I'll eventually get around to seeing it. Uh, but I'm not on pins and needles waiting for it like I was Ozarks. Yeah, I got you. And that makes sense because I, man, we watched, me and the lady fiance, we watched Game of Thrones season one years ago. And I don't recall why, but at the end of season one, I was like, well, I don't know. Like, if I never see this again, I don't really care. And we never went on to season two. And I don't, I don't know what it was. Really? Yeah. Dude, I got to tell you, man, Game of Thrones is pretty good, bro. See, and that's like, I, it, it, it reminds me of the Seinfeld conversation we've had where so many people have talked about it that I, I'm like, okay, I need to try that again. Because I feel, I'm obviously missing something or I wasn't in the right frame of mind or who knows what happened. Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, I think it's got all stuff you would like. It's got, 
you know, I liked it because uh, it had the it had, you know, anybody was eligible to die. <laughs> Even people you're like, oh, there's no way they'll kill that guy. And whoops, oh, there he's gone. And for me, that's what makes the show. Uh, it had a little fantasy element to it. I mean, I I loved it. Yeah, and and I don't know. I think what it was is I like my brother Chris. He read all the books for Game of Thrones before he watched the show, and. I don't know. I'm not like a fantasy per se. Like I don't read a lot of fantasy novels in that realm. Like I didn't read any of the Lord of the Rings novels. And, you know, I read, I read Harry Potter, but to, that was such a neat, like you can blow through Harry Potter books. I mean, they're very easy read, but I don't know what it was like that type of stuff. doesn't have as much appeal to me as it might've when I was younger. So when I watched the movie or the TV shows for stuff like that, I don't know what it was with Game of Thrones, right? Just as like, eh, I don't know. All right, well, we'll give it a shot. I mean, I went and uh, listened to your review, and so I gave uh, Manti a shot this uh, this weekend, and it was as good as you said it was. Yeah, man, isn't that, it wasn't it nuts? Okay, now that I've seen it, you know the most shocking thing to me is that Renaya looked like she did. Yeah, I mean that is something because what's really interesting about this is. When before she transitioned, she was a high school football player. Right. And so you got to think of somebody who's in shape, lean football player as a quarterback. You know, now she's this. I'd say 300 pounds. Okay. Yeah. At least 300 pounds. Yeah. I mean, she is a very woman. large, large woman. And it's just shocking. But I mean, like, were you surprised at like the total, like she almost is like no remorse and almost taking credit for being like this rock for him and motivating him to perform better. Yeah, because she's a narcissist. I mean, my um, God. And the other thing was that when she's talking to Dr. Phil and Dr. Phil's like, there's no way you could have made these voices. Yeah. It's not you. And, she, and then she goes, well, it was like putting on a performance. I had to get in character. I had to go to a dark room and isolate myself and do, okay, fine. I'll give you a dark room. Isolate. Go do it. And then she goes and does it. <laughs> yeah, and you hear it. And even Dr. Phil's like, my God. It's like a totally and, different and person. Then, right. And, you know, I, and I'm kind of peeping Manti during this whole thing. And, and, dude, I just feel bad for that guy. Like, I'm telling you. Because know, he's still like, what the fuck? <laughs> and, you know, he's got to, it, it makes more sense to him now. But still, just like, this one person just showed up and just basically wrecked your life man for years yep. because he's talking about you know the reason why he wasn't any good as a pro and i really believe him on this is he had so much anxiety he lost all his confidence he couldn't play and he's like uh my first three years in san diego or, or you know i had all this anxiety and i just couldn't perform i was so worried about making a mistake because if i make a mistake what's everybody gonna say yeah and man I'd have, i was gonna say i'd have beat her ass <laughs> I mean, for real, man. I mean, it was to he see. He just showed up for nothing and wrecked yeah, my life. And destroyed this guy's life to some degree. Cost him millions of dollars in a sense where I, I think if he hadn't had to go through what he went through with this and the embarrassment and the unfortunate and developing anxiety and teams being afraid of like, how could you fall for this? What are you doing here? He would have been a first round NFL draft pick and would have made right. millions of dollars more than what he ended up making in his career. Right. And he'd have played the way he played at right. Notre Dame. Yep. Nobody knows if he'd have been a superstar, but he'd have played much more like the player he was as opposed to this tentative dude who was scared to make a mistake. Yeah, man. I mean, it is. I'm telling you again, and we talked about it, but it's very, very much worth a watch. It's riveting. And at the end, those last few moments before it ended with him talking, I mean, my God, your heart just goes out to that. I mean, the perseverance in him just wanting to help other people. I mean, he just seems like such a good dude. No, he does. I mean, I, you, he's kind of dude you root for. Yeah. All along the way. And that's why I said I felt so bad for him during this whole process because it was not of his doing. And the way the world was set up and his life was set up, you know, he was like the prime candidate to get caught up in something like that. So watch that. And the other thing I'm, I kind of mentioned Lord of the Rings and I brought that up because next week the, the Lord of the Rings prequel drops and it's called the Rings of Power. And it takes place like thousands of years before the events 
of like the Hobbit and the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Right. I, I, and I got to tell you, I'm I'm going to check this out. It's it's going to be on Amazon Prime. It's the most expensive television series ever made. Amazon has committed to over one billion dollars investing into this for a five season storyline. One billion? Yes, for five seasons worth of story, and they're doing eight. I think it's eight episodes a season, man. And when you start getting up into that type of I mean, think about that. Even if that's just, I, I mean, the amount, that's like what, $5 million an episode or more? Dude, that's a, uh, dude, that's, that's incredible. Is all that on salaries or what? I don't know what it is. I mean, it's special or effects. Special effects? I guess, man. But when you do that, if that's 40 episodes, that's $25 million an episode. If they, if, they, if they're investing a billion dollars for five seasons at eight eight episodes a season. Twenty five million dollars an episode. It's a lot of paper, my brother. It's Amazon. I mean, and that's not even including what they had to pay to get the rights. So this is really interesting. Like when I read that, and I've seen the previews for this thing, and it looks. I mean, I'm not like some Lord of the Rings super freak fan or whatever. I enjoyed the movies. I saw them when they came out in theaters. I don't believe I've seen them since then. But man, the trailers for this look really good. All right. So I'm in. You know, did you? I only saw the last one, I think. That was pretty good. It, it seemed a little tedious to me if I, as I remember it. But the last one I thought was pretty good from what I remember. Well, I mean, the problem with them is I think they're all like three hours long. Like they're ridiculously said, long. Yeah, I said it seemed a little tedious. Yeah, man. I mean. <laughs> What was the last one? The last one was The Return of the King. And that one in the theaters is three hours and 20 minutes long. That's longer than a football game, brother. At least you got a timeout and a halftime and stuff. The second one is right at three minutes long. It's The Twin Towers. And then the first one is called The Fellowship of the Ring. And that one is right at three hours long as well. But I have been told... That if you're going to rewatch them, it's worth watching the extended, uncut versions. Really? Why is it? Apparently, they do. There's just a lot more storyline and it sets up some of the things that happen. But man, I was looking at that. I don't know if I can do that, man. I mean, that is a. <laughs> the uncut version of The Lord of the Rings, like the last one, The Return of the King is four hours and 20 minutes long. I mean, Ooh, brother. I don't know. I don't know if I can. I don't know if I can give you four and a half hours, dude. That's ego right there, bro. Like, I'll, I'll watch your movie that you put out in the theaters and I'll enjoy it. I don't I don't know. And I got to be honest with you. I don't <laughs> think I ever saw the Hobbit movies. Because those were the prequels to the Lord of the Rings movies. Oh, OK. But I'm pretty sure I didn't ever see those. Because I don't know, like, I, I'm not like, like I said, I'm not like, like super into these or whatever. You know what I mean? I like yeah, right. them. I thought they were good. I really enjoyed them. We may be watching them again, though, because the lady fiance has not seen them ever. I don't, well, I don't know, man. You and gotta... so I was like, well, if we're going to watch the TV show, at least you kind of have an idea of what this world is like. Even if it's because in some of these, I mean, you got to remember in Lord of the Rings, I think some of those characters are like a thousand years old. So some of them might be young in the prequel, <laughs> you know, because they had all those they had elves and fairies and giants. And I mean, there's all kinds of different. Well, those guys are supposed to live to be 100 or 200, 300, well, so whatever they are, I don't, you know, whatever they're talking about. But I mean, that's why how many Hobbit films were there? I don't even know. Were there three Bro, Hobbit films? I have zero idea. Yeah, there were three of those. The Unexpected Journey, The Desolation of Smaug, and The Battle of the Five Armies. I've I, Yeah, I've never seen any of those. And those are prequels to the Lord of the Rings trilogies. So really, if you want to watch everything, you got to watch all three Hobbit movies and then roll into the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Man, this seems I'm going like pass a, on that, bro. This seems like dedication. I'm not that dedicated. I'm just not even, not even going to lie to you. 
Yeah, because the first Hobbit movie, oh, God, it's three hours long too, man. <laughs> Nobody wants to really watch a three-hour movie. Don't they know this? I don't think no, people... they don't. I, I think that's too long for... But you know what's weird? I'll sit and binge a television show for three or four hours. I'll watch four hours of Ozark back to back to back to back. So why won't I sit and watch a three-hour movie? I don't know what the difference is with that, but for whatever reason, that's where I'm at with this. The Lord of the Rings, I think the prequel is going to be worth watching, so check it out. It comes out, it's next Friday, September 2nd is when it drops, so you can check that out. And then Cobra Kai Season 5 is coming out the week after that, September 9th. I got no interest in that. I know you don't, but I was, I was, I've been, it's, it's cheesy as hell, but I'm a fan of it, and they're bringing back his rival from Karate Kid 3, Mike Barnes, is going to make an appearance. So I think you got to think season five is it for Cobra Kai. I can't imagine that they figure out a way to keep this thing going for a season six. <laughs> Don't uh, depends on how much money they make and how good the ratings are. Yeah, I mean, there could be some some truth to that. We'll see. But at some point, you got to wrap up the storyline, man. You got to wrap it up. And I think that they perhaps have reached that point. <laughs> well, we'll see. Never say never. Never say never indeed. Just like never say never that you won't have foundation problems. I hope you don't. I really hope that you never have to deal with foundation problems because they're rough and they suck. But with all the dry heat that you guys had in DFW this summer and now the deluge of rain, that does not make friends with your foundation. That's why you need HFX Foundation Solutions, a full-service foundation repair company. They service all of Dallas-Fort Worth. 817-770-0174. Aaron and his guys, it's a local family-owned establishment. They can come out. It's a free, no-obligation inspection. I would encourage a lot of you, if you see like cracks or sticking doors, especially after the last couple of months you've had in North Texas, you might want to give them a call and get your scheduled. Yeah, and you know, the other thing is when you have rain the way we've had it, some things can shift and move around because the soil is so soft when it's usually not, especially after the dry spell that we've had. So now is also a good time to give Aaron and his team a call. Just let them come out and give you a home what we lovingly call a colonoscopy man for your house. What it does is it just provides peace of mind. They give it the one sofa. They check it from the Rudy to the Tootie. And then, hey, they tell you, hey, it's all good, baby. Pop some bottles. You got nothing to worry about. The Rudy from the Tootie. <laughs> okay. Yeah. You guys should call HFX Foundation Solutions. And when Aaron answers, he goes, yes, HFX, can I help you? I need somebody to help me with the Rudy from the Tootie. And just see what happens. See what he does. <laughs> Oh, it's HFX Foundation yeah. Solutions. They've got you taken care of online at hfxfoundation.com. Also, Bro, of course, yes. You've never heard of that? The Rudy from, I've heard of Rudy Tootie. No, hey, girl, I want to taste you from the Rudy to the Tootie. Oh, my never God. never heard that? <laughs> no, I haven't heard that. Oh, that's what happens when you grow up in a black neighborhood, man. I guess so, dude. <laughs> all, all, the, all the brothers sitting around falling out their chair laughing right now. All the white people are calling their black friends. Is that hey, true? Rasheed. Rasheed. <laughs> this, is, this is Matt in five minutes. Hey, Rasheed. I know I haven't seen you since a draft, but Taylor was over there talking about the Rudy to the Tootie. What is that? Matt, come on, man. <laughs> See, that's what, that's what she's going to do. Yeah, he might. <laughs> I mean, he did verify that sweet potato pie or pumpkin pie is on the out that Bruh, black folks don't eat pumpkin pie i know when you first told me i was like what and rashid's like oh yeah what no it's nasty i'm like oh my god that's so yeah. nuts only black folks who eat pumpkin pie are those who grew up around white folks and that's okay <laughs> or if you didn't grow up around them you went to like green hill a jesuit or some some you know uh private school where you're around a lot of them and they serve that otherwise man black folks eat sweet potato pie Okay. Yeah, I, and that's I, and that's okay. That means there's more pumpkin pie for white folks, more sweet potato pie for black folks. That's I, I learned that from you. I mean, I learned that a few years ago. I had no idea. Yeah. And and I, I'm not like some giant pumpkin pie advocate, so <laughs> I can see why you wouldn't like it. Honestly, I mean, to me, the only way to eat pumpkin pie is you got to lather it in whipped cream and probably some ice cream to make it worth eating. Right, then that, that tells you alone it ain't no good. It's like putting a bunch of seasoning and sauce on meat. 
and barbecue. If you got to do all that, it ain't no good. That's true, man. That's very true. I can't tell you what is good. Smokey John's barbecue. See, see, see. Jam session bowl. Now that yeah. everybody can eat. Oh, yeah. It's delicious, man. It's uh, your choice of mac and cheese or mashed potatoes as a base. And then they put all this good stuff you'd find on a baked potato, man. Uh, you know, chives, sour cream, butter, bacon. Oh, it's delicious, man. Cheese. But you also get to put your choices, two out of five smoked meats, man. I always go with the brisket and the sausage. I've seen other people with uh, sausage and uh, ribs. I mean, it's, it's all delicious, whatever your topping is. They drizzle it with sauce at the end, and it is to die for, my brother. It is. You got to go and check it out if you hadn't. It's on the secret menu, by the way. So if you're a new podcast listener and you're like, oh, yeah, I went in there, but I didn't see it, so I didn't want to order it. It's on the secret menu. You go in there, and trust me, they'll know what you're talking about. They'll give you that knowing nod, the jam session bowl. Look, all their food's fantastic. If, if, if you're like, oh, I don't know about the jam session bowl, that's fine. No matter what you order from Smokey John's, you're going to love it. And as always, keep in mind that Smokey John's barbecue sauce, the Smokey John's rub, it's available online. You go to SmokeyJohns.com, click on Smokey's Market. You can order it. No matter where you are, wherever you listen to the podcast, you can order it and they'll ship it right to you. I've got a couple of bottles of Smokey John's barbecue sauce myself. I use it on all kinds of stuff, man. I mean, I, I use Smokey John's barbecue sauce all the time because I love it. Yes, he does. He drinks it straight out of the bottle. I have done that. I like the taste. It's hey, delicious. That's the best compliment you could ever get. It's true. Like, well, what'd you put it on? My tongue. I just opened my mouth and guzzled it. <laughs> you know, I, I, I wish we had drops on this show. <laughs> this would be great. Yeah, it's hard to do, man, but it would be great because we do have some we, from time to time. We just play a bunch of tucks. Boo-boo. Yeah. My tongue. My tongue. Over and over. Yep. My tongue. Yep. And you just put a, put a phrase in front of it. That would and be then I, I'd cut it out and play you saying, I want to lick you from your Rudy to your Tootie or whatever it was you said. <laughs> I mean, I, I've never heard that before. You're correct. Yes, that's what you ask a woman after you've been with her for a while. Yeah, is that what you say? Back when you were not classy. You know, Hmm. a lot classier now. Hmm, Back in my formative years before I had class. Okay. I might might say something like that. If you say so, man. Interesting. All right. (laughs) Well, there's that. So as we continue, you got an interesting email. Yeah, man. You know, you know. This is not going to turn into Jacques Corner, but this has just happened a couple times the last week. And I don't talk about this often, but I'm going to talk about it today because I know several people like this, and I'm going to try to help some of y'all out. And I described this person to Matt, and I'm not going to use this, this person's name because this person doesn't know any better, and it was well-meaning. And he sent me an email that was supposed to be a compliment and a good thing. And white folks do this all the time, bro, as I generalize this, which is, and I'm talking about a particular group of white folks. These are white folks who are racist but don't know that they're racist. And I say that in all seriousness. Like, they could stick their hand on 10,000 Bibles, swear that they're not a racist, and they would be telling the truth in their heart. But their actions say that they really are and they don't know any better. And so I try to correct people who don't know any better. Now, they, now they can take the correction, and they cannot take the correction. But I got this email, and I shared it with Matt, who understood right away what I was talking about. Yeah. And it's, uh, I listened to the podcast the week that your dude graduated from high school, and I don't think you mentioned anything about him going to college. It doesn't matter anyway. Your dude is a fantastic young man, and it's obvious that you did a fantastic job in raising him. Uh, along with his mother the world needs and here we go the world needs more black parents like you and her i wish your dude success in his t-shirt business real talk 100 percent. the world needs more black parents like you and her okay see he's trying to be very complimentary why does the world need black parents like me are you trying to say because this is what it sounds like that most black folks aren't like you. You're something unusual. Most of them don't have good parents, and that's why they end up committing all these crimes and going to jail and all this other stuff. 
And the problem with that statement is, and I never hear people like this say this. Hey, Matt, I'm just going to ask you a question, see if you know the answer. Who are the majority, what race are the majority of serial killers in America? Well, they are white people, white males. Right. When we look at these mass shootings, 99% of the time, who are they, Matt? Once again, that would be the white male. Okay. And so my point to this is the world... And I take, you know, I think I did as good a job as I could as a parent. I think Matt, from what I know, does a great job as a parent. It's people do their best as parents. It doesn't matter whether you're a black parent, a white parent, a Mexican parent, an Asian parent. It doesn't matter. The world could use better parents all the way around. And if he if he had said that, hey, you you do a great job parenting, in my opinion, the world could use more parents like like you and and uh, your son's mother. That would be great. But instead, he didn't. And that means he feels a certain way about black people, bro. And here's what happens to me often. I wish more black people were like, were like you. Well, what do you mean? Well, you know, didn't cause trouble, took care of their kids, and were successful. This and, oh, trust me. Most black people are like me. <laughs> <laughs> right? They are. I'm, not, I'm really not all that unusual. Most black people I know are very successful. They do their jobs. They take care of their kids. You know, are there some sorry-ass black folks? You're damn right they are. Are there some sorry-ass white folks? Damn right they are. Are there sorry-ass people in every race? Damn right they are. And that's what people, some people like this don't seem to understand. Now, he'll send me another email saying, that's not what I meant. I know that's not what you meant. And that's why I'm telling you that what you said was as racist as racist can be. And here's how you can be better if you're really interested in being better. And if you're not, that's okay too. But you have a chance now to be better because you've been informed about what you probably didn't know. And like anybody, if you're interested in getting better and improving, you'll take this constructive criticism and run with it. And if you don't, well, then you won't. Yeah, seems fair enough to me. You can use it to advance in life, I suppose. True that, true that, true that. So the other thing I wanted to throw out here for you, there's a couple of things. And I think this is really weird because we were just talking about Rudy to the tootie. <laughs> Did you see the video of Dwayne Wade like biting his wife's butt? No, but I've seen Gabrielle Union. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm not going to sit in judgment of that, man. No, I'm not. I'm just, I just saw, like, I thought, like, how weird is this? But we were just mentioning that. And literally, I just checked Twitter. And the first thing I see is a video of Dwayne Wade. Now, what's weird about this is if this was the 2006 NBA Finals, he would have been in, you know, they, they would have given him all kinds of free free throws on this. And they would have blamed her <laughs> for putting herself in a way of his mouth. And it would have been just colossal. But this is, it's very interesting because this has gone viral. And it's, it's, she's taking a selfie. They're like on a yacht or something. And he just like casually sneaks up behind her and bites her on the butt cheek. Hey, bro. They're on a yacht. I mean, you know. You a big fan of biting on the butt cheek? Well, you know. I'm, I'm not going to sit in judgment of those who do. I say do whatever you want, man. If everybody's into it, say, knock yourself who, out. Who amongst, who, is, who amongst us is not nibbled on somebody's butt cheek once or twice? You no, know, I mean, a curiosity. You got to try something, right? How are you going to know? <laughs> exactly. I that's what say, I've been told anyway. Would you ever try? Have you seen the video that's been making? I mean, this thing is everywhere. I'll, I, I've seen this from a, who knows how many different people on Twitter. That video of the dude at the baseball game who buys a hot dog takes a straw and like hollows out the inside of the hot dog and then uses the hot dog as a straw to drink his beer. Yeah, what's up with that, bro? I've never heard of this before. What's up with that? I don't know. But then I thought, well, maybe, you know, the don't knock it till you try it thing or like, is there something to drink, like using a hot dog as a straw? I'm, I'm unaware, my brother. Because I've never heard of anybody. I've never heard of this. I've never seen anybody doing this. It's very, very odd. I'm very unaware of this. That's I was too. And yet here's this video of this guy and he's doing it like, oh, I do. Of course, this is what you do. <laughs> I can't. do this with all my hot dogs. I make sure I can use them as a straw for whatever reason. <laughs> that just seemed insane to me, bro. It seemed like, insane what? to me. It doesn't seem like it would make the beer taste any better. I wouldn't think so, man. But I, again, I don't even know when I first saw that. I was like, this is... 
But you could tell he didn't know he was being filmed. Like, he's not doing this. It's not a bit. He's not doing it for show. This is obviously somebody who has done this many, many times in his life. And this is like a normal way for him to drink beer at a game is to (laughs) suck it through a straw. Dude, I mean, screw the video. Let's get an interview with him and figure out what's it. <laughs> I don't know if we want to talk to a guy like this, dude. No, that, I think we do. We got to figure out what makes him tick. Yeah, maybe. But that is, that's one thing for you guys to enjoy, I guess, if you ever wanted to jump on social media and try to find that. Because that one, that video that's making the rounds, I just saw it again, which is why I brought that up. And I just thought, man, this is really weird. We see that, and then out of the blue, we see the biting of Dwayne Wade, who will forever be like my most hated athlete, you know, so. <laughs> and it's not even his fault. He didn't do anything wrong. It was the NBA. Maybe I should hate the NBA instead, but I enjoy watching the Mavs play. Bro. So there's that. So we'll be back. We'll have another podcast coming your way Friday. We'll take a look. I, I, I don't know what we're going to learn, if anything, by the time the Cowboys get to that third preseason game on Friday night, I'm, all the decisions are made. I don't know that anybody's going to sway the coaches with their performance in that game on Friday night. I, I don't know who it would be. I don't think so. I mean, I think uh, by this time you've, you've had a chance to show the coaches whatever you can do, bro. And so to me now, you know, I mean, what happens is you're fighting for a practice squad spot. Can I at least get a job making $100,000? Being on Cowboys practice squad. That's yeah. good. I'll take that. So let me go bust my butt and see if I can make that happen. Yeah, and this is a, a different season as well because now you can have 16 guys on your practice squad. I mean, that's a lot of dudes on the practice squad. Yeah, man. I mean, it, it used to just be 10, but they changed all that stuff in the last couple of years where that number was 14 during the pandemic, and now it's up to 16. So when you do that, you essentially have 16 practice squad guys. And as we just went through it earlier, you can have 48 active on the game day. And, and that's kind of what you go to. So it's really interesting. I mean, there, there is some, some different rules this year with practice squad and IR. Like Pup used to be if you designated a guy on Pup, he had to miss six games. Now he right. only misses four. Like IR this year, you can return eight players from the IR list. And last year it was unlimited. So now, like, if you're going to put guys on the IR, well, you, you can't just use the IR to stash guys for forever. If you're going to put them on the IR and you want them to return, some of those you have to decide, okay, is this guy going to miss the entire year? But, man. Nah, that's, a leg- that's a legit question. And, yeah. and, you know, the, the whole thing is all about roster moves right now. I think it's interesting how the NFL, you know, they keep – it seemed like I remember when the practice squad was like five or six guys, man. Yeah, it's really nice. 16. I mean, that's almost a whole roster for you to pull from. And uh, and that's why a lot of these cut players come back to the team. Why? Because we spent the whole offseason. Because, you know, they showed up in January in the offseason program. Yeah. Learning the system and everything. And if you think a guy's got potential, then I'd, I'd rather have my guy that I've had since January than your guy who's just showing up now. And so that's why there's not a lot of movement, really, once guys, uh, once, once guys uh, get to camp and make it to that final cut because you just as soon have the guy and continue to work with him. Yeah, and it's interesting, too. So now a practice squad player can be called up for three regular season games in the same year without taking up a spot on the active 53-man roster, where last year it was just two. So that, right, because there's... Yeah, because the extra game, I guess. Yep, extra game, and, you know, it's also like, you know, they're also there to give you, you know, so that when you get a guy hurt, you don't have to go have his tryouts with six guys off the street, sign them on Tuesday and have them play on Sunday. Yeah, I mean, it's, there's all kinds of, like, like the practice squad rules are really wild this year, too. Like, 16, yes, but 10 of them have to be players who do not have an accrued season of NFL experience, free agents who are on the active list for fewer than nine regular season games during their only accrued season, and a maximum of 10 free agents who have earned no more than two accrued seasons. So some combination of that. And then the other six can be veterans with an unlimited amount of accrued seasons on their practice squad, as long as the players in the other two categories don't exceed 10. <laughs> I mean, it's just... Oh, yeah. 
Well, they're still trying to make it a developmental squad, and they don't want you just stashing a bunch of veterans over there. Yeah, but you can have up to six veterans on your practice squad this year. So we'll see what the Cowboys decide to do. And like I said, we will be back, and we'll jump on again, drop another episode for you on Friday, and see what the very latest is. If the Cowboys have decided to make any type of roster moves or what that may be, and we'll get you ready, taking a look ahead to the final preseason game. It's already here, preseason game number three on Friday night. Enjoy the rest of your week. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to the Jam Session podcast. Make sure to find us on Instagram at Jam Session Cast. Of course, you can also find us on Twitter at McMatt Radio and at JJT underscore journalist. Our podcast is sponsored by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights the legal battle so you'll have time for healing and renewal. Give them a call at 972-934-8900. Greening Law, Office, Dallas, Texas. As always, thanks to Purple Elephant Music for the music you hear at the end and the beginning of each episode. He, of course, is the radio, TV, and now podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. And me, I'm just a guy, Matt McLaren. We'll catch you next time right here on the Jam Session Podcast, available everywhere you listen to podcasts.